0: Well, I said I was going to mute everybody, and I think I muted the the entire network. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is your UFO paranormal researchers, and we're excited to have you aboard. I'm used to uh, some music, so I was sort of shocked, and then I guess they finally got the message because it was always so loud in the beginning. So welcome, everybody. This is American Communications Online and I'm your host, Teresa J. Morris, with my co-host, Janet Carolesson. and we are syndicators for all kind of weird stuff out there we like to call anomalies. But tonight we're excited to talk about the UFO paranormal researchers, people that we know, and the topics we discuss about uh, strange anomalous things were strangely appealing, I think. So that's what I I say, and that's my story, and I'm st- Sticking to it. So Janet Carolussen lives in Maui, Hawaii. She's been doing this with me since 2012, and she named her group and her radio show Aquarian Radio, and mine's T.J. Mars E.T. Radio, which I got off a of UFO Digest back when I was writing in 2007 for Canada. They're still out there, but Dirk's passed on. We're excited because Janet has found Bill Kankowski, and he says his name's so great, but I imagine he's uh, used to it by now. And I saw some great pictures from back in the Mufon days, and I was in 2008, and I uh, saw his little newsletter. He did excellent in 2010. He had uh, Peter Robbins, and Peter actually is a friend of mine on LinkedIn. Never met him. Never met Bill. But Bill's going to direct us today. We're going to talk about various things, including alienology, artificial intelligence, authors, consciousness, cosmology, ESP, extraterrestrials, metaphysics, paranormal, parapsychology, people, phenomenology, physics, science fiction, singularity, space, theory of everything, which is your toe, T-O-E, like Tom Campbell, TV, ufology, and YouTube. And Janet specializes... In Out of Body, Near Death, uh, basically her soul's book. Uh, she's an author, I'm an author, and we find authors that write like we do. So I'm excited to say that Bill Konkolesky is an author, and he has some background like we do in and Out of Body, and uh, I'm excited to bring him on. But let me get Janet on here, and I'm going to have Janet read his uh, bio, which she's really good at since she books the people on here. <laughs> DanaCare
1: Lesson. You want to introduce Hi. yourself? Hi. Well, I'm Dana Lesson, the co-host from Maui, coming to you live from Maui Hawaii, and I've been a, I'm a lifelong experiencer. I've been doing these radio shows since 2012. Um, yeah, we've been working this uh, since the beginning. I'm a, uh, from the crew experiencer. I remember things um, before I came into the body. Actually, I tracked it back with hypnosis, and reflection. But I want enough about me, because today we're going to focus on Bill Konkolesky, and he's uh, the, I don't know if he still is or he was, the state director of the Michigan chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, and uh, I guess he started in 2004, and he had a lifetime of his own UFO and abduction counters. He spent the last two dec- decades dec- decades actively investigating those otherworldly phenomena, try to make some sense of the bizarre events that happened to him personally. And what he's discovered confronting these cosmic mysteries is that reality is far stranger than he could have ever imagined. He's the author of the autobiographical novel called Experiencer, Raised in Two Worlds. And his personal abduction experiences have been chronicled in the sci-fi documentary, Abduction diaries and a DVD documentary, abducted by aliens. UFO encounters at Pork Time, and an ABC News special, UFOs: Seeing is Believing. So he gets around, um, and I'm, I'm really excited he's coming. I do have um, some quite a lot of questions for Bill when we get into the meat of it, but um, well, I guess back to you, two Jay. You welcome Bill, and uh, Bill, we'd like you to start telling us. About yourself and uh, how how you got into it. Go back in time. Go back in the time machine to your first encounter and tell us what was happening. Okay, back to T J. And then back to T J. Bring on Bill. Are you on mute? Am I talking to no one? Oh no. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, can you hear me now? Maui, Hawaii. I can hear you. It's it's extremely, uh, lots of rain coming down here in Gulf Breeze. It's usually sunny and beautiful, and people love to come to Gulf Breeze. And uh, maybe even Bill can tell us about the Gulf Breeze uh, incident down here. Uh, I used to see pictures, and I've been abducted down here off of the ocean. And uh, it's on, if you want to see the the day I was... uh, i taken Janet and I have put up the uh, ocean where I was watching this big cloud <laughs> overhead, and I disappeared. <laughs> so hey. they, I guess they, they, they kicked off the uh, cell phone and left it in the sand with my shoes. <laughs> I'm like, now what? But let's hear uh, Bill's, <laughs> but you can look it up on Allied Command. That was started a
1: couple in- years ago. Um, yeah, it was. So we, I have to get that. We, uh, I have to get that. Is that a YouTube or is there something I can grab? It's on uh, the. Well, it's, it's
0: under my name, Teresa J Mars. But look under Allied Command, A-L-L-I-E-D space C O M M A N D, and it looks like in the clouds there's a dark Mercedes sign, like a circle with three lines that meet in the middle. And I found that interesting, and then this big white started rumbling like something out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind by Steven Spielberg, and most people know I've had uh, my family in Lubbock, Texas, and the Lubbock Lights, and I was up there for the Phoenix Lights, and most of you know I've had encounters since I was born, and then went to White Sands, and uncles worked at White Sands Missile Range, and... I had my first clearance at NASA in sixty eight, so you know, I've got a long history, but this time they told me to keep doing what I was doing, so I'm just but we can talk about that with this guy. Let's hear Bill, because Bill, Bill he wrote a book about abducted by aliens. Ooh, UFO Encounters of the Fourth Kind. Now, is that his book? We'll have to ask him. And then a new special, UFO Seeing is Believing. So this guy's been in the business a long time, and he's braver than I am. My books were sort of convoluted with sci-fi. But Janet's trying to talk me into getting a book out with The Real Deal. So this guy is The Real Deal. He actually works with MUFON, or did. Let me get him on here. Bill Konkoleski, please say your name and give us an idea who your three-dimensional... I guess your avatar container is Bill Konkolowski. Is that your birth name, your mother gave you, or is it William Konkolesky? I
2: was <clears throat> I was born William. Can you hear me now?
0: Now I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you sound
2: great. Okay, great. Yep, um, I was born William, and I'm um, grateful that uh, that you have me on the show today. Um, and to clear up um, one uh, a point, you were. Not sure on is uh, yes, I am still Michigan's uh, state director for the Mutual UFO Network. So I'm wow. 15 years strong now and still going. <laughs> Whoa, Bill, awesome. you are something.
0: Yeah, well, uh, tell us how you got into that. But I'm real excited because you're like the kind, as they say over where Janet is in Hawaii, the kind. You're like us, or we're like you. So I want to talk about us being a little strangely appealing UFO paranormal people. uh, I'm trying to get all these people together in association so we can finally meet. So tell us about yourself, and why are you uh, being abducted? Give us an idea of how you got. Did your mother birth you normally, like you have a birth certificate in America?
2: Yep. Yes, uh For sure. I, uh, um, my, I have a, a number of experiences over the years, and um, I often like to respond when somebody asks me, you know, how did you get into the UFO phenomena? by by saying really the UFO phenomena got into me first. Um, My very first memory at age two was a little gray guy coming up to my crib and me screaming my head off for my parents and my parents just telling me to go back to sleep. Um, I... I wasn't taken at that point. The little being just kind of watched me, observed me for a few moments and then walked out of the room. And this isn't something that I remembered years later, like, Oh, I think I remember something happened, you know, several years ago. It burned into my memory at that moment. And I, I never forgot it. And so I was abducted again at age four, three little gray guys came into my room, pulled me out of body and, uh, tried to see how I could operate um, without my body just kind of floating around. Um, At age seven, I was abducted uh, onto a craft where they cut my arm and I still have the scar from that. And then um, several other experiences in my later youth and then into my teen years. And, you know, uh, they just kept uh, coming for me and I've been a frequent flyer um for many years Uh, at a certain point the phenomena slowed down quite a bit but uh, especially growing up um, the title of my book experiencer raised in two worlds was very much because i was a normal kid and living a normal life and yet all these other crazy weird things were going on while i was growing up
1: wow um, so I wanted to ask you, see, I, I'm i an experiencer, and I identify as an experiencer. Excuse me. Let me get a drink here. <clears throat> so there's a different categories. There's contact the experiencer and abductee. So from what mm-hmm. I've heard so far, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're identifying as a abductee, that these were abductions that you had no... Um, permission in the in the process is that is that true? And tell me what you don't realize is the difference uh, between the three category, categories. I'm sorry, well, I'm mean, a little bit of throat uh, culture.
2: <clears throat> I'm I may feel more comfortable with experiencer because not all of the things that had happened to me were moments where I was physically taken somewhere else or taken out of body somewhere else. Um, Some of the events were more on some sort of equal footing, and so I don't like to think uh, just paint a broad brush, you know, with a broad brush and say everything that happened to me with an abduction event. um, That wouldn't be accurate. Um, I think a, a lot of these terms, contactee, experiencer, abductee, really have to deal with just somebody's personal choice of lingo, um, I, I think that it's really all basically the same phenomena. It's just what ever somebody gloms onto. Um, you know, I mean, if you want to play, you know, sort of like a, you know, a pop psychology type of thing, you know, people could say that they're an abductee simply because they don't like the terms contactee or experiencer. Contactee has a sort of a negative connotation to some people because it deals with, uh, time during the you know chiefly like the 1950s and 60s where people were coming forward and say they were being taken to Venus and Mars Um, and it it seemed like there was a lot of individuals in that community that were not really uh, shooting straight with their stories and so I think that the term contactee got kind of a yeah, a, a bad, bad rap. Maybe time enough time has passed that that's fading a little bit. But I still think that people yeah. have an an aversion yeah, to. Yeah, what I what I
1: think uh, started in, But I just uh, before you get too far down the line, so I wanted to address that. It seems like it's come full circle because now uh, a lot of the conferences are are presenting things about you know uh, Big Rock and that whole early era. Um, we had a, um, at our conference, we had the son that was raised uh, by, oh, I forget, one of the original contactees, I'm sorry, it's not fresh in my memory, but he was the the foster, or not the foster, the stepson of uh, one of the, the first-generation contactees. So it seems like um, there's a newfound respect for those people. Uh, in fact, other people are coming forth, and they've shown more evidence about you know, um, the the uh, Venus connection, more stories about Valiant Thor and tying everything in. So it, it's interesting. But that was, I think, it, because back in the 50s there was a huge giggle factor, you know? You were
3: mm-hmm.
1: contacted by aliens. Ha 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 ha. ha right? But we're, we're now, we have so many people coming out of the closet. I, I've lost count. I mean, I have interviewed personally, and in CJ with me, uh, 100 probably going on, uh, you know, getting into the high hundreds of different people that have now identified as as one of the three categories. So anyway, I just want to introduce that. Tini, what do you think about the three categories? What are your thoughts?
0: I'd like – I've just heard – hearing you talk, I've decided I need a separate uh, category because you and I have been doing alienology, cosmology, phenomenology, Ufology for years and years, and having been born and seen them from the crib and going to White Sands, and to me, it was totally normal to have a family off planet and on planet. And then I was groomed to work in uniform and out of uniform with those that look like us on the planet and off planet. I need one separately for those taken that are in agreement because I was totally in agreement with doing what I did and I look forward to it. So, under consciousness. And this would be the perfect night to introduce this because, yes, I understand and I wrote for years and helped influence the uh, Internet and all of those titles because I was working inside the government when we went from Wayne to Microsoft to blah, 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 sun systems, but DARPA and all that stuff. But I like the fact that we are doing what we're doing now and talking. I never in a million years thought I'd ever be doing a radio show continually, especially – in the paranormal world, but the paranormal desk called me to do the kind of work I do. So I would like to not only have, like Bill is uh, expressing with many years with MUFON, and being an abductee or contactee or experiencer, but one that is taken, but I know that I never liked saying that I was abducted by aliens. I know alien civilizations exist. I know that most people that have had, uh, it's sort of like, I think the person that, Uh, The first one that we in our psyche relate to is the Barney and Betty Hill story. And that was the one that I remember most when I was a little girl. So they were called, they were abducted by aliens. Now, historically, we can get into that with the historians like Richard Dolan, Stanton Friedman, uh, George Filer, the biggies, and uh, Don Berliner, some of the first books. Uh, after Rupelt, but um, the, the Kenneth Arnold story, La of la, and the Blue Book story. But what do you think, Bill? Because wh- uh, may I call you Bill instead of William? Can you hear me? Bill
2: is perfect. Thank you. It says New
1: York. Am I coming across not good? No, he she he responded. Can you hear him? Oh, uh uh-uh. uh.
0: You
2: can't hear her? Uh-uh. Bill, go now, ahead and Can you hear me now? I, I said, Bill,
1: well, it's fine. I, yeah, Bill,
0: what do you think? Because if it's uh, people like abductees, and we we, we can call them contactees in the, back in the day, and then abductees, because they seem to went from contactees to abductees, then to recently, at least since I've been writing with 207 in, in 2007 with UFO Digest, it became experiencers, and folks, we can do a historical study on the taxonomy and epistemology, but we need to add something for people like me that go, oh, not again. But I, it was like with an agreement. Well,
1: we're, we're calling those. We're, there's another category that's come about. We call it ambassadors. So on some unconscious level, you chose to come here <laughs> to interact with humans, and uh, but it's a more conscious level. The but, but experiencer is yes. kind of like a catch-all. Uh, contact anyway. Let's ask Bill. Bill's yeah, Bill come on, because, Bill.
0: Speak up. Let me. Daryl <laughs> Sims doesn't like ambassadors because of the Galaxy Federation okay, and all
2: so those let's people. Just, let's just talk about
1: it. So, I don't care what they're Um, let's just talk to Bill. Bill, well, Bill, what do you uh-huh. think? Yeah, so
2: the, the, the term experiencer, though, I the the reason that I uh I, I'm most uh I i guess. Feeling in line with that particular um, term is because I believe that it allows for extra phenomena to enter the picture simply beyond a, a straight um, face-to-face or what have you contact. You know, an experience, you know, for example, say you, you, you see a UFO you know, that doesn't make you an abductee, that doesn't make you a contactee, but it does make you an experiencer. And, you know, it's, it's just to be, to me, it allows a broader spectrum of phenomena that not every time that you have an unusual experience, it's necessarily that you're being taken on board or what have you, but it's, you know, a string of phenomena that are undeniably linked together. So, You know, you know, if, for example, if, you know, I was to say, you know, I'm an abductee because I was taken on board, you know, there you go. But if I was to say I'm an abductee because I was taken aboard, I saw some UFOs another night, um, we've had poltergeist activity in the house, I've had out-of-body experiences, you know, all of these things are true, but you start to to say, well, how far are you going to stretch that term abductee? Till it doesn't really fit anymore, but if you were to say experiencer i do i do think it allows that sort of all encompassing um you know uh, you know sort of lifestyle if you will I don't know if lifestyle's the right uh thing I want to say, but it it uh you know it seems that of course that most people who are taken uh, are taken several times, most people who are taken also experience a wide variety of other phenomena. So I, I really think experiencer usually is is your best bet. It's possible maybe for somebody to be taken once in their life and not have any other um, paranormal phenomena into their lives. And I guess then that person you could say is technically an abductee. So I think um, experiencers are sometimes abductees, um, but... You know, if you're an abductee, it doesn't necessarily make you an experiencer, you know, whatever. All plays on semantics, but that's why I, I really glom onto to the term experiencer.
0: Yeah, and my granddaughter says, I'm an experiencer. I experience everything. So I, I heard her say that last, well, in the last few days because my daughter died, and we've all been going through a lot of trauma. They had to pull her out of school today. It's uh, It takes us a while as humans with our nervous system to get over emotions. It's hard to learn or to sit in school when you're traumatized from death, dying, or something you've loved. But uh, she made a good point. We're all experiencers, depending on what we experience. So we need to start defining, you know, that we are whatever we're talking about because consciousness has a lot to do with it. And if you're ready, and I'm learning that from the children today that are all into virtual reality, how they all—they oh, pretty much perceive this as a virtual reality out here anyway. Especially since we're training them all in another reality that's not going to go away with Google and Microsoft and Amazon and uh, Facebook in the news today, because they're the big four. And we know that this is virtual reality. We're having to use these tools because Bill, Janet, and I—even if we've been experiencing extraterrestrials or uh, other biological entities in our reality. We still talk with a tongue, and we have to use our, our senses—hearing and speaking. So, how say you, Bill Konkolesky, You know what we're talking about. And the, the kids today—they're all about cyberspace and virtual reality, and we're all creating a whole new world in there. So, we got to go to the next level. Raising—you were experiencing raising and raised in two worlds. Now, is that your book? You were raised in two worlds.
2: Yeah the the reason that I say that is because I I did have a normal childhood. It's just that I additionally had strange things happening to me and I there was no easy way to combine the two lives, you know, the two lives together. I was raised Catholic, but yet the Catholic Church never talked about the types of things I was experiencing. So my lessons about what a higher power looked like didn't match the higher power that I was experiencing. Not to say that the the Catholic Church was incorrect in its you know assessment of of the universe, but they the, the lessons that I learned in church never covered the phenomena that I was experiencing firsthand.
1: Right. You there, TJ? So okay, so you're more comfortable with the term experience, so let's go do your story. So what what was the first time you had an encounter and what did that look like?
2: For me, um, again, my first encounter was at age two when the little gray guy came into my room. The first really robust experience I had certainly was at age seven, um, and I can walk through the experience. I was laying in bed one night and uh, sort of a dark portal opened up over the bed, and down dropped this metal hose, um, kind of it was very similar to like a shower hose in terms of a metal hose. And at the end of it was a lot of sparking electricity, and it started whipping around over my head, and I felt myself getting sort of um, vi vibrational um, washes over me, um, a lot of electrical feelings. And then uh, it felt like I was sort of sucked up. And then I found myself on, um, I believe, on board a craft. It was certainly inside some kind of interior. And I believed at the time, even now, um, nothing has made me think otherwise, that I was actually on board a, a flying craft. And the um, I was greeted by two little gray guys that walked me into uh, an, an the next room inside the, this craft, as I'll call it. And then I was uh, asked to lay on a bed. And so I sat on the bed. Uh, the, when I say bed, it was really just sort of a metal block. And then three, uh, another little gray guy came in. The three little gray guys then left the room, left me alone in the room. I was seven, again, in this room and they didn't have me restrained in any sort of fashion. So I'm like, well, I'm going to get out of here, (laughs) at least leave (laughs) this room, And, and I am not going to follow in the direction those three little gray guys went. I'm going to head the other direction. So I went through another door, and I walked down a hall, which was a long, curving hall, until I realized that I was walking into a dead end. I looked back, and I saw the three little gray guys there, and they were watching me almost as if saying, huh, this is interesting. Let's see how he handles this. And when I turned around, I'm like, well, there's not so much I can do. You know, they got me. And they then um, told me to go into this room that was down that same hallway. As I entered the room, there was another gray in there, but this one was taller. The ones that were following me down the hallway were about three feet tall. This one was about five feet tall and more pale than the little ones that were following me. And in this room with the taller gray that I instantly got this sort of instinctive feeling was a medical type, like a doctor. Uh, This gray had me sit in what looked very similar to a dentist's chair Again, all very metal and everything, but it had the feeling of a dentist chair. So I sat in the chair, and then I realized I was stuck to the chair, like magnetized somehow, or whatever, gravitized. Uh, I don't know the real expression to use, but I was stuck to this chair. So the gray uh, came up to me and said uh, telepathically, Be really good, and you'll get to see the color blue. And I'm thinking, well, these things don't really know people very well, especially children, you know. I'm used to a sucker or a sticker, and the thing is telling me if I'm good, I get to see the color blue. This is kind of weird. So then I felt a sharp pain on my right arm, the bicep, and um, I looked down, and I saw a cut on my arm a very thin slice, a horizontal slice across my arm. And as I'm watching it, it is healing as I'm watching it. I see the it sort of scar over. <clears throat> and then I look back up at the, the taller gray, and at this point it's got its face right directly in mine and its eyes right against mine. And suddenly its deep black eyes turn to a bright backlit blue a very electrical, cerulean type of blue. And it was really mesmerizing, tranquilizing, hypnotizing, and I just felt completely at peace. And then I blacked out, and the next morning I woke up in bed and looked down, and there's this scar on my arm right where I remember getting cut the night before. And so, you know, what to do about that? So... Later in the day, in the afternoon, I'm playing uh, in the backyard, uh, along with the little boy who lives across the, who lived across the street at the time, uh, who was six, And we're climbing trees in my backyard when this mist rolls around the corner of the house and starts rolling through the backyard, and it looked like like a fog, but it was a very limited, small cloud. And this thing is just rolling into the backyard. And um, as it passed by me, uh, as, it, as it came right through me, really, and all around me, there was a little gray inside the cloud. And it had the sort of, it wasn't like smoke, it was more like a, um, a smoke machine. And a little gray, uh, there was a little gray inside this. And it went up to me and said telepathically, Are you okay? meaning like it, this was like a checkup call, like, are you fine after what happened last night? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. And uh, and then it said, oh, and it, and it seemed happy, satisfied. And then I continued to walk and the cloud that was surrounding it continued with it and went through another neighbor's backyard and disappeared. And my neighbor, um, whom I'm still in touch with, uh, again, he was six at the time, he remembers the cloud coming through the backyard. Um, he didn't see the little gray guy inside Uh, That was for me, I guess, but he remembers when we were in the backyard and his cloud (laughs) just went right through the backyard. So, you know, a witness to
1: that. Uh, It's so so fun when you find somebody that remembers it. (laughs) You can collaborate your story. It's like uh, validation. Oh, I'm not crazy. That really did happen. Yeah. So so that was the, the first one. What happened next? Have you been getting these experiences all your life, and uh, what kind of frequency are they happening?
2: Well, when I was younger, like uh, before I got into my teen years, it would be the memories I have of these experiences are one maybe every couple years kind of a thing and mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily i'm not necessarily saying that i didn't have more but that's as much as i remember and i think i remember as much as that uh, i probably had a couple where they managed to completely black me out through the whole experience and I, i'll never remember but when i got into my teen years yeah sometimes it'd be a couple times a month and um uh, that happened in my late teens and then as i got into my 20s, um, it would be maybe once every couple few months. And then when I got to be about 30, it dropped off precipitously. And I continued to have unusual paranormal phenomena happen, but it it seemed like I was no longer in such direct focus with them. It's kind of a funny thing. It's, It's almost like The more that I got involved with the Mutual UFO Network, um, the more they held back, Um, and that I don't know, and I don't know if that's necessarily uh, a direct and logical correlation, but it 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 just at the very least it's it's a coincidence when I reached out and I found other people who had the same types of experiences as I did you know i became a ufo field investigator i got involved with <clears throat> mufon in a number of ways you know certainly had regression sessions it it uh all seemed to to be that to me now this is going out on a limb but this is just an instinctive sort of thing on my uh, from me that i believe that they want me to be public with what happened to me up until that point mm-hmm. and and they don't want to traumatize me further or mess me up they had all these things happen to me put me in a position where i'm able to speak about the phenomena without any backlash my family is 110 percent supportive in fact um, you know i come from it runs in the family so, uh, mm-hmm. so i guess i have the family support And then even at work and amongst my friends, and it it just seems like, you know, almost as if, you know, in in this case, to bring in a term like ambassador seems to make sense, that, you know, I'm out there speaking about the phenomena, and therefore they're satisfied with with this relationship that we have, that we, you know, we dated for a long time, (laughs) <laughs> and then now I get to talk, give give all the juicy details, you know. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, you know that, that's one way to put it. Now to say that it runs in my family, though I will add, means that although stuff isn't continuingly, continuously happening to me, there are family members that still are experiencing, experiencing all sorts of phenomena, including contact with the Grays. I so do you am, think that um, mm-hmm.
1: you were part of their breeding program? So that's why you were having this the um, the contact and not going out there. But this is I, I've interviewed like hundreds. So do you think they might have had you in this program? And then um, you know you're past the prime. <laughs> you know you're getting older. Oh, uh, they they're taking
2: younger sperm that type of thing. I thought about that. I've considered that. Um, I can't, I can't dismiss that possibility. You know, it's certainly possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as a woman, we notice, uh, you know, they they tend to come more during our periods, you know, when we're ovulating, and uh, we can reproduce. And then it it does uh slack off for many people, but those that are kind of uh, they make they make it to the next level, so they're selected as an ambassador. Well, they continue to have it their whole life, and a lot of people, it's like once they're past the breeding period, okay, that it falls off, you know, to nothing or maybe never again. So, I mean, it's not 100% across the board, but there's there's certainly some tendencies for those types of things to happen. What do you find? Now, you're an investigator, so I'm sure you've documented a lot of these cases. What do you find is happening with the uh, the age the ages of the abductees? What you know? Do they come more like you said, during a certain period of your life, and then it slacks off.
2: Well, there are a lot of experiencer groups out there, groups of people that find each other with a similar experience and then they meet um, with various degrees of uh, public awareness, meaning that, like, you know, Mm -hmm. most of these groups that I find don't want anybody to know about a group. It's generally invitation only, and, uh, you know, they're very protective, and there are a lot more of these groups out there than people I think even in the UFO community seem to know. You know, uh, but a particular group that I've been a part of now for several decades, it seems that the, the folks in this group are on the same basic cycle that I am. That most of them have um, dropped off at the same rate that that my experiences have dropped off, and it's not to say. I, I mean, last summer I saw three UFOs, so or four. Geez, I, I didn't even think about the one in Nevada. Uh, no, that was two years ago. But uh, it, it, you know, so but with direct abduction experiences, I, I haven't had that type of experience in a long time nor has this the group that i'm part of they have other types of unusual experiences but somehow not that same exact you know um, black and white encounter little gray guys come in take you you're on a table they put you back they try to make you forget etc that sort of classic um, abduction event that doesn't tend to happen Um, though I do know other people that still have that kind of experience. Not not speaking again of this of the group that I'm part of, but people report the classic classic abduction scenario to us uh, still pretty continuously in Mufon. So it, the the program's still ongoing. It's not like the program dropped off. It's just that somehow, I guess you know, a group of in my case a group of people who were having the same types of experiences at the same time um, were on some sort of same program where, at some point, very much in sync with each other, they, the beings decided, okay, we've got what we wanted from these individuals. Let's move on to other individuals. And, and are then they it's not the
1: to... biological age, well, like are these people older, or do you see that the, the, the younger people. Uh, have the type A type of destruction, you know, where the little grades come into some of the bed, and then the older people. Like for me, wow. um, this past mm-hmm. year, I had a, a great. Uh, first, yeah, I, I it was full full on daylight, you know, the sun's coming up. It was already the whole bedroom was illuminated. It was it was dawn, and I um, was looking at the sun coming up, and then I turned the other direction, and there was a six foot out, Right, right in my bedroom, <laughs> and I just said, I kind of giggled and said, oh, really, and then it shapes it into um, one of the taller um, greys type of beings, and so we we had a dialogue, but see, I've been doing this, I'm 65, I've been doing it all my life, I'm no longer afraid, and um, so it was more like uh, just a communication, The dialogue, it wasn't abduction. we didn't go anywhere, I had this conversation. It was, it was daylight. My husband could have come into the room at any moment. I was wishing he did, but um, and then it was, and he, you know, we said goodbye, and um, got on with my day. So I'm having those type of experiences where I'm in council meetings. I'm going to other planets. I'm observing their programs. They've got one where they're relocating homeless people to a planet where they've um, been uh, kind of less like decimated by war, but the, the population was killed off, and so they have all these wonderful buildings, and they're they're bringing in carpenters and electricians, you know, all kinds of people with um, uh, retro-50s buildings. Uh, so the buildings are too big, so they're making them um, so the smaller humanoids can, uh, you know, accommodate them. All kinds of things are going on, and I'm showing these programs, and I'm going, wow and I, I wake up so excited <laughs> i tell my husband you know, this happened that happened and i know tj was your county health and she can share her story on the beach so we're older you know we're in our 60s now and um i'm no longer part of a breeding program and i've gotten used to uh being with the extraterrestrials so i'm not in that fight or flight fear response let me striver described that but he you know first you're like all creeped out and then and and over time, he learned how to sit and notice and meditate with this, the extraterrestrial that was visiting him in his, his upstate cabin. So um, I'm going to pass the talking stick it to TJ, but I just wanted to interject that uh, and ask you if you see that there's a correlation with the age of the experiencer with the type of experiences that they're having. And then your group that you're with, those who are now having your types of experiences, are they all around the same age range?
2: Our ages are a pretty broad range. Um, most of the people in the group, I would say, are in their sixties. Um, I'm not yet fifty, and uh, it, it, you know. But it, it, it seems to have been true for everybody. Now, what you say is also valid, which is the older people were having slightly different experiences than the younger people back in, say, the '90s when we were all younger um but uh, in terms of just the the volume um dropping out it, that seems to have been a universal thing and and again i i'm not saying that it's not like a worldwide phenomena that it's dropped off just uh you know for certain individuals the way i look at it with this particular group and you know i'm going out on a limb with assumptions uh, on a lot of what i i say here but my assumption is is that the reason that we were brought together is to support one another while we were going through the similar steps of, um, you know, a similar ty- type in general of abduction phenomena, even though we what might have been happening to us on an individual basis was different, we shared several commonalities. And I think that somehow cosmically we were brought together, whether nudged together by the grays themselves or some sort of, higher power that looks out for people who have these types of experiences. I mean, you can make any number of guesses. But I think that we were brought together to support each other during that particular time of where we were frequent flyers, (laughs) so to speak. I love that term. Um, But then we were also, you know, we're also still together, even though for all of us, that particular cycle is over. We got together when you know that when it was things were pretty heavy, and you know we could have might as well have just sort of dropped off afterwards if we wanted to. But you know we became good friends during that time, and when you share that type of deep experience, you know those you pretty much have a lifelong friend because that that's that's you know a lot of support that you get from each other. But yeah, otherwise yeah. I, I yeah yeah i
1: agree you get close and uh um, you develop the i mean who else can you talk to about this stuff so tj yes you have a question or comment
0: <clears throat> we're being joined by some people on ufo uh association and uh they've had experiences too so It's very interesting that we are coming together, and uh, I'm in the 60s group as well, but uh, maybe we should start looking as paranormal researchers as to what it is that we have in common at a linear timeline, because space, time, and gravity may or may not exist with a lot of these beings, but... Now the grays that I worked with, they were very different uniquely. It sort of spooked me at first because I was used to the ones that look like us, normal Americans, right, on board ships. So. <laughs> and Tom, but remember, Gina, when Tom died, he looked like to me turned into a little tiny thin gray, you know, but what he told me was always about the, the ones that uh, their, their planet got, you know, raped and pillaged by those big wharf-looking dudes and I don't know. Uh, We never came up with a name for that faction, the warring faction. Well, Tom
1: doesn't know that you were TJ. Let me just give you a little background. TJ was in like the secret space program type thing. She was uh, had joined the military and then got involved in their um, covert operations uh, as an investigator, and um, so she ended up being on a a ship up. uh, What was it? That was outside of Mars of the five ships. Yeah, they,
0: they patrol they're the universe, and the ones that we, right. Tom and I worked with, I was uh, based literally on, you know, huge, huge, we had a fleet of five, but the one where Tom and I were flying over towards Mars, remember, they could never come down and blah, 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 and, you know, it's a, it's a whole... You, can, you gotta write books about this stuff in a consciousness level but to be in a 3d reality with people just like us that's what we're introducing to what people call disclosure but it's basically the same thing's been going on for millions if not billions of years in our consciousness in our information age but yeah i've got a story where i was born into this body and you find out afterwards these people are training you and then i went to white sands and met them over there and then, you know, realizing ESP stuff when I was a teenager and then I died I had died in second grade and then I died again uh, uh having my daughter, last daughter. Now she just died a few weeks ago, March sixteenth. But she was uh E T and when we were working with the Nordics here uh during cancer and MUFON uh, I mean Moffat Cancer Center they were calling her other and you know they they were asking me questions like are you involved other people coming in from yeah, involved with
1: the Let me CIA. And, yeah. Let me decipher a little bit for you because you're going, you're jumbling things so fast and you, and we need more background. I'm sorry, <laughs> for Yeah, you do. <laughs> so um, T.J.'s daughter was uh, going through uh, cancer. Uh, Try to save her. You know, they were doing bone marrow transplants and, and they asked T.J. You know, what's going on? This this kid's uh, blood isn't right. You know, she's not human. Um, so well, so some of it was there you were. But not all of it. Some of it was, but not all of it. How does she have this alien DNA? Yeah. So anyway, um so let's go back to the bill and um tell us uh, okay, so you're you're in this group and it's one of the support groups and there's more support groups than we could ever imagine, right? That's what you're saying, there's a lot more support groups. And this one is this a public one or one that's a private invitation only or how do people get in your group? Well, who's a support group. are talking about a support group. About a group. It's a separate group, right? In Michigan. So
2: I, I'm, I, I met these individuals through MUFON, and I'm aware of other groups. It's just that I, I, I've stuck with this particular group. And, and um, um, let me just inter, interject here and, and say I'm so sorry about your loss just to hear about All that right. is. Is, is really something. I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it's hard for me to come back and do radio shows and not... I'm I'm trying not to be emotional, so I, I sound cold and I apologize to all my listeners. I've got an, another guy here, Bob Emmons, but I told him he could come on maybe and share a little bit and then we can have him back, it, but Bob wants to come on too, but I want to okay. give uh, the next 10 minutes at least to Bill and then ask Bill if it's okay to have somebody else just at least say hi to us and join us, because he may join our UFO association or something. But uh, thank you, Bill. Uh, this other guy's name wait. But Bill, uh, I think she's wanting to know about this other group. But I'm sure there's plenty. This other guy's name is Dave Emmons, and he's listening now. He's from Illinois. So Michigan's next to Illinois, but maybe uh, you guys could he you could help each other out. You have a support group that you meet with on a regular monthly basis, or not, Bill? Well,
2: uh, I wouldn't say it's I mo- I wouldn't say it's a monthly basis. Lately, it's been at least a few times a year.
0: Oh, okay. So all of them are extraterrestrial, uh, are, are hybrids, or are they abductees, or do they have just are they uh, contactees, or what is their uh, claim to fame? I guess in the UFO paranormal world. <laughs>
2: Everybody's uh, an experiencer. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the, the the accounts that folks share, you know, I would say uh, there are a majority of people who remember onboard experiences, but not everybody does. Some remember face-to-face encounters that are are not board and you know, it, it is very context centric and there was a time where we were indeed meeting much more frequently and um and that was back in the day when our experiences were much more frequent but you know now um you know the older you are the more uh, things find their way into your life and it's not as easy to get together as much and um and yeah with the, the just you know not having as much stuff happen i i just still think it's great we're even able to get together even once a year and so a few times a year is, is a definite blessing, and you know, for um, for anybody out there that's interested in in a group like this, I would say that um, I, I would stress to, be, to to keep careful company um, with people that share your perspectives. Um, there are many accounts that i've heard of of people getting together that necessarily um don't think the same way um have the same opinions um and or or just a variety of things so it it takes a long careful time to 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 build a good group and so um if anybody's interested in doing that you know it, if if you were to say, hey, anybody who's had an experience, meet me, you know, come over to my house this Saturday. Um, you'll probably be in for a little adventure. <laughs> put <it> that way.
0: <laughs> Don't open your house to strangers is the key so, to that one. Have a little. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I get that because we're still human. We're still we're still bi- biologicals, and just like me inviting. Uh, Dave here. He's listening now. And, you know, I don't want to alienate people from what we discuss, especially if we have similar accounts. And I've had them my entire life. So I've, but I wasn't able to share them while I was an investigator. As a matter of fact, I'd get fired if I had anything to do with J. Allen Heineck or Kufo's. And that was the only one I knew of before Don Berliner. And uh, uh, I went to Roswell to talk to Glenn Dennis. And he was very much like you was very highly skeptical but i was able to impress him with a few magic tricks so to speak <laughs> and the guy I, one of their friends I told him he was fixing that he better get heart surgery done and all that so sally working at the Roswell museum was shocked and got back with me and how would you know all this stuff and he did and he had to go get operated you saved his life You saved his life <laughs> i was like well thanks so that's just it's me just me but you're right because uh, sharing your skills, your tools, your talents, your emotions, your uh, you know your needs, thoughts, wants, deeds is very critical to your uh, soul's essence and moving forward in your own consciousness flow in this uh, universal consciousness. So you know be aware that not everyone has the same level of experience or uh, the same spiritual path. We say they all go up the same mountain, but do they really? Because some up there go in various universes. And there are various levels of universe, and we're going to get into that. But I'm being very careful who I'm choosing as friends, Bill. So I get your your drift. So uh, paranormal groups are important. I've got one, Bill, that I'm just building. It's taken me three or four months because my daughter was passing over, and she was so happy that we were discussing it today she passed, it was a sunny day, it was on a Saturday, March 15th, if everybody can remember back where they were, I had a daughter looking forward to a March 25th birthday, and she had just celebrated her 45th birthday, January 27th, and Janet Mm -hmm. was on the phone with me the day she died, my other partner, Tommy Hawksblood on the Big Island, was on the other, other phone, I have three phone, five phones actually, but it was a horrendous experience because we were talking about doing the Gulf, Gulf Breeze metaphysical group, and I had paid the dues on uh, Meetup, right, the Meetup. So I suggest if you do that, set you up a Meetup group. It's highly effective here, and Janet's got one in Albuquerque. But uh, Janet and I are doing our part, but we're, we're just now getting to write a book together to support each other, and uh, Bill... I'd really want to get into your book a little bit with your name because I love to support authors, and I want to bring on in the next five minutes or so this other guy, just because mm-hmm. I've never done that before, and uh, we don't usually bring on speakers on the on the show like that. They have to plan and get books them months in advance, but I'd still like to see how we do this, Bill, because I don't, you don't know any more about him than you do me, do you, Bill? <laughs> we just don't know. Uh,
3: yep.
0: So go yep. back to that. Explain, it's just about being cautious. Don't just think everybody's your friend because you've had an experience. Is that your message?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that one of the, the things about this phenomena is that it's not widely curated, is one way that I'll put it. There, there are a lot of, it's a very open topic. There are a lot of different perspectives on what's going on. And a lot of people have a, a wide variety of encounters that, you know, some of their subjectivity comes out in how they describe what's happened to them, and it just there. I mean, you you it's it's nearly impossible to pin down anything that's universal about this phenomena when you're talking about a group of experiencers. The more experiencers you bring into a particular, um, you know group of studies you know for example the more wide variety of experiences they had and and then when you put them all though in the the big picture you'll see the the connected dots if you you know if you like turn you know the data uh, one way or the other you'll you'll see a common vibe a common connection you know a sort of a familial thing amongst all of these people who are experiencers but without you know a a universally agreed even um, lexicon of what to, to use in this phenomena. you'll have people with all sorts of different opinions coming in and just to try to find a common language to describe what's going on. As, as even we were talking about at the beginning of the hour, that's tricky enough. But then when you have people coming into a group um let let's just use this one metric among many. You got somebody who comes in who's afraid to sleep at night. They only sleep during the daytime um they're 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 highly um, anxious all the time. They have emotional breakdowns. This phenomena is weighing on them heavily, and then, in the same room, you have somebody talking about peace, love, and light that they experience from from <laughs> these entities.
0: <laughs> damn it. I, that's Shannon. That's Yeah, I'm sort of in and, the middle. I try to be I try to be I don't know, open to everybody. But I will mm-hmm. if the guy's crying and all that, I'll send somebody to that person. What do you do mm-hmm. in that case, bill? How do you handle let, it? Let,
1: let him let him finish his sentence. So what, so if you have somebody that's peace, love and light and then we'll the end of group
2: sentence, go ahead. So. Is there another group? Well, <laughs>
1: No, no, with his set. Go ahead. Okay. Let us finish his no, sentence. No,
2: just just basically, you know, you can imagine the conversation between these two. Um, one, you know, the person who's traumatized says, you know, I, I've had nothing but negative experiences. And the person who's had the positive experiences says, you know, um, and, and not to say that everyone would, would just jump out and say something like this but imagine this say that person who has a positive experience it says to the negative experiencer you know um you know possibly you aren't seeing this correctly and then it, it becomes a personal affront to the person who's traumatized and then suddenly i mean there's a complete breakdown right there um and you, you know it's just it's just it, it's tough to move on from a, a moment like that um when people have you know, people take this, you know, in different ways. And, and, a, and a big part of it certainly is, I mean, I've had these experiences since I was two. So I am, you know, fine with it. Um, somebody who has their first experience as an adult, um, after living their whole life saying that, you know, that there's no other life in the universe, then suddenly they, they're abducted. Gosh, <laughs> you know, to be in that person's yeah. shoes. And then to put those two people in the same room, you know, uh, and then say, okay, you and I are alike, because we've both been abducted. You know, we're brothers, sisters, you know, we're you know we're together,
0: right? Yeah, we've all had the same. No, we haven't. But, yes, this is a mm-hmm. whole new discipline, a whole new academic lifestyle culture uh, phenomena. But, you know, paranormal isn't so para. It's getting to be more normal now in physics thanks to quantum physics. And the level of consciousness, we're getting to critical mass consciousness now that we understand this is our, it's not our new normal. It's been the always normal, people coming and going at various levels of existence. It's just, we're just now realizing and talking about it. My mother didn't believe in UFOs whatsoever, but when she was a child, she ate a peach, uh, cyanide thing or whatever and she got deathly ill and had an out of body but she didn't believe in UFOs nope, 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 no ETs, no little green men, no little gray men, didn't want
1: nothing to do with it (laughs) let me address what what Bill said about mixing the people in the room so as a hypnotherapist and a uh, psychotherapist counselor we we learn to meet people where they are so it's really good to have a therapist, I've been doing UFO discussion support groups since the late, uh, I'd say, 1990, 89, 90, when I moved to Penn State University, we had one there. Um, So, um, and I just want to, you know, tell everybody, (laughs) you, you have to develop a sensitivity to each person where they are in this now. Nobody, no two people have the exact same experience, and we perceive it differently. What we find is if you're brave enough to go into it and allow yourself to be facilitated by a Um, you know, trained therapist that is, you got to be careful because some therapists want to try to fix and repair you and you're definitely not broken. (laughs) You know, you don't need to be fixed repaired. You're not broken. So if you can find a a, a sensitive therapist to carry with you as you journey into yourself, you can uncover, you know, all these things that are magical (laughs) and mystical and, and go from trauma to, you know, out so the other side. You can spot the other side. It, it, it can happen for, I'd say 99% of them out the other side. Very few people are being, you know, abducted by um, demonic forces that, you know, want to take you to satanic rituals. The My people are another category because the military is doing things that are often far more traumatic than what's going on with the, at least the ones that we're getting. Yeah, we don't really know, looking at this whole thing, there's, there's stories coming that some people are. Take it and never return. So I'm not talking about those. But the ones that end up coming to a group, for a group that uh, we kind of can track and get a common story, most of them come out the other side and get to a point where I was reacting negatively because you know, it was new to them, it was unknown. It, it, most of my trauma was because it was somebody I could talk to. It wasn't accepted, it wasn't the norm. If I said something, I'd be crazy back in the 50s and 60s, they could stick you in an institution, lock you up, and you'd never see the light of day. So there were lots of things to fear around, you know, being someone that wasn't, being an experiencer and someone that saw things that were out of the box. So that was a a very wise decision to not express it to, like, I couldn't tell my parents. I did try telling my parents some things. And so if you have somebody that has this strange reaction, you know, it's good to just not talk about and find those people you can talk to. But I hope that we can eventually um, establish a basic protocol and, and training for uh, groups and, and hopefully at least one have one professional in the group to help people work through their emotional state, uh, much like that television show, what was it called, People of Earth. It was very cute, and they made, you know, it was a joke, but they had some good stuff there. Somebody knew what they were doing, uh, and so that group had a professional therapist that helped to uh, gather them together and help them deal, deal with what they were, their emotions. And your nobody's emotions are raw, right? Your, your emotions are your emotions. Uh, they're your key. They're, they will help you uncover what's really going on in the deepest core level. So we we applaud that you have your emotions. We encourage you to go into them and see what your emotions have to tell you. There's always some great wisdom in your emotions. and anyway, I'll pass the talking stick.
0: If people take on my story and my husband's story and combine them, uh, he was looking for the military weapons. I was strictly communications born. However, when you put us together, the stories start combining into the fact that we're here because those that we worked with, like humans, and worked in the, the universal higher supreme allied command, the little greys, after they lost their plane, it sort of became subservient, and they started making little clones, too, because they were lighter than we are. They could travel through the dimensions easier than we could. And, uh, you know, these little Boswell-wood-type Roswell crafts, right, the little 30 by 30s are the jumpers or the, uh, we, we call them galaxy universal shuttles, but they all go up to these larger spacecraft. But I... When you have first-hand information and then you go back into your past lives and look at all the stories you've got from, this is not new folks to a lot of us older beings, but first of all, you've got to believe in reincarnation to understand people come and go in these containers like forever. <laughs> and so what we're doing is the story that Janet wants me to go ahead and tell and make it part of reality is the fact that I've been writing about it for years, but she wants it all in one place so it's easier to absorb is the fact that we're here because at one time the people, that, at least the worms I worked with, it looked like humans and extraterrestrial CIA, military government, on and off planet. We had come so far into uh, AI, like before Atlantis move and all that, to uh, we started, uh, it was all about progressing with uh, lack of emotions because they didn't work for us. We got rid of the ones just like we do with hospitals here on the planet. Uh, We didn't want the ones that were all emotional and all that. It didn't serve our purpose when we were working with AI and intelligence. And, you know, the warring planets and all that, we got rid of the emotions because it didn't serve our community or our culture. So, you know, it got to be where everything was not about your emotions. So even the way they had children, they don't marry. They're all, you know, you're either one or the other or both. And so all that changes in the future, or at least maybe now, it's just at another level of existence that... There's some on the planet and some off the planet and some in other universes. So it depends on what, what you understand and what you've experienced. But, Janet, remember if we go ahead and write this book and we incorporate some of the stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, but it wasn't my choice. These were things because of millions and billions of years of uh, putting people on the planet. But they didn't, they're, they're trying to put the emotions back now. Some of the reason, I'm not, I don't know, but remember, Janet, where Tom had to kill somebody to prove to him that you could die because they just take your soul and put them back in another body. But the fact was, nobody reacted. It was a military situation,
1: folks. My husband was
0: right. a shooter. You
1: understand well, what I'm we saying? Slowly, no, we're going to slow it down because you're taking things out of context. But uh, I understand. Um so let's slow it back down again because that was a lot of information. And given too so much information. About her, yeah, to, yeah, Do well, you
0: want to bring on a yeah. friend for a few minutes here to have them say hi. Yeah, Dave, how do you fit into this picture, Dave? You've only known me a month on Facebook, so hello. How are you? Hi.
4: Hi. I've uh, been listening, and uh, yeah, uh, we were, I guess Bill was talking about the difference of experiences, and I've had different experiences and I talked to Linda Moulton Howell. She took me through an interview to make sure I was on the straight and narrow and yeah. uh, she said I was for real after the interview and uh, Kathleen Martin, I've done an abduction survey with her and she says that I'm an ab- ab- abductee and so uh, she was convinced and she's with MUFON as matter of fact, uh, I think Bill probably knows her pretty well and uh, she's a real nice lady and uh, she's been giving me uh, you know, feedback and input on on my experiences. My experiences started when I was 14 years of age, and, and a good friend of mine, I just spoke to him today, matter of fact, we saw this UFO that looked like a toy top when you had back in the 50s, a little bulky thing, and it looked like that. It was a flying saucer, and it had a smell of sulfur, but now I know it's ozone smell that comes off of these uh, UFOs when they come in the atmosphere. Wow, oh, okay. we were, smelled it. <laughs> yeah, actually, and we saw the lights, and that's why we walked down the street to see what it was. Uh, we were standing maybe about 100 feet from it, and I think it's Dr. David Jacobs who says, if you're, if you're less than 150 feet of a UFO, you've been snatched. So uh, that's his opinion, and that's, that's what usually happens. So I feel that my friend and I were both abducted at, at 14 years of age, and that's when everything started for me. Uh, I think a, a month or so later, uh, if I can say this, it was in a private part where I dug out a, uh, a little, little round thing that looked like an Advil pill, but it was a round disc. And I, there was a little hole that was slit in my scrotum area. I guess I can say that. Hopefully, it's not. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, they, I, you take it out. Yeah, it, I took it out through a little slit that was already cut. It was still red, and I, I, I pressured it and, and pushed it out through that little hole that was already slipped. And so I showed it to my mom. She said, throw that old thing away. Uh, I heard somebody say something about your mother didn't uh, believe in UFOs. Well, back then, my mom didn't either. And when I got in from that sighting, I'd come in the door probably about midnight. I was late, uh, and she was mad. And I said, I saw a UFO, Mom. And she said, I'll UFO your butt, you know, so... She wasn't, she wasn't believing my story. But ever since then, I've had things come in and out of my life. I've seen five up-close UFOs. Uh, I've seen that one that looked like a top, and it had little windows around it. And I was afraid that uh, they were going to be looking out of it. And my buddy and I pinched each other. We couldn't believe we were seeing what we were seeing. And it was it was scary just for the moment. But I think what happened to us, I think they shot a beam of light on us, and kind of put us out. I call it dumbed down. I've been dumbed down several times now. That's my terminology. I don't know what, what you guys say, how how they dumb you down, but there's there's different amounts of being dumbed down. They can dumb you down where you're sitting there, and you're thinking everything's okay. You know, don't grab a ball bat. Don't grab a camera. Everything's fine. Just leave it alone. And that happened to me several times, and I have I have uh, quite a few stories, and I guess I can't fit them in within the time frame that, that we have now, but maybe later with uh, TJ, if, if that uh, would be fine. Yeah, we but, can schedule uh, you
1: for uh, a longer segment. We you'll get to, uh, more of the time. Um, maybe we want to get Bill's story, but we're, we want to see how your story correlates with what we talked about already. So, yeah, so don't worry about the time. we got lots of radio time. We can fit you in again. But uh, go ahead, continue your story. I Just wanted to interject that. Don't worry, we're gonna we'll get you in. We'll get your story okay, out Okay, I'll
4: here. I'll go through a short synopsis of what happened uh, throughout my life. I got little trinkets, uh, and and I I noticed that that your group there talks a lot of psychology, and I went I went to a hypnotist one time, and actually I have the towels hum. I hear that hum all the time. I don't know if it's connected to anything that I've run across in my abductions, but. I went into this room with this lady who was a very experienced a hypnotist, and actually, I told her I couldn't really think too well because the hum was getting louder and louder. And I looked over; she was out. The the hypnosis backfired, and she was out. And I had to go over and shake her a couple of times to wake her up. And and the, she says, "Oh my God, uh, it's it's the uh, you know it's the uh, resurrection or whatever." And I said, "What?" She said, "That big ship you were telling me about." The triangle. I had a large, huge triangle ship come over me in my neighborhood. My mom was right down the street. Two brothers and my mom saw the same thing, so I have witnesses there too. It was a huge triangle. It, it just clipped the top of a 75-foot tree across the street, and that was that was an amazing. You know, it. Although I have seen other UFOs, that was just kind of like I was. I was all inspired by looking at the bottom of this thing. I saw some things on it that uh, somebody told me I shouldn't be talking about because it involves uh, some, I guess, some uh, feature of the craft that, that maybe some people don't want me to talk about. Uh, but I went ahead and talked about it anyway. There's uh, The one strange thing I noticed about underneath this craft, it was about five houses wide. It was a huge craft. And underneath of it, there was a globe in the front. It looked like one of these old glass globes. And you could see through it uh, the other two lights on the back uh, of the other ends of the triangle they were lit up like they were powered powered up to, to take off and in in the middle of this craft was a large vent it was it was kind of like it had slats in it I heard a hissing and a buzz coming out of it and it was just a small hiss and a buzz but I it, it was, I could hear it pretty well and there was a red light uh, towards the, the the back of the ship and it was uh, gray metallic color so it, it was uh, that's about what I what I saw is this it was just amazing so but to go on I've had things put in my pocket little little trinkets little disc that I, I carry I got four of them and I don't know if that means that they're following me or what that means I've seen some strange people who I, I call watchers and you were talking about humanoids uh, and working with the, with the military well I've seen some humanoid aliens uh, that I ran into. And one story out of Sedona back in 2010, I ran into a Japanese young lady, and she was strange. Uh, She was trying to elicit emotions from me. I heard you talk about emotions a while ago. And she was trying to elicit emotions. She had a a fake cry, and she was by herself. I was there at Cathedral Rock there in uh, Sedona. And I was, had my movie camera. She, she just come right up to me. I thought she was waiting for somebody else. She said no. And so it started raining. She got in my car, and she wasn't afraid to get into a stranger's car. And I, I asked her, I said, are you afraid of me or anything? She goes, no. I said, you can whip my butt. She goes, yes. And she had, she had these eyes that were black and piercing. And I told her, I said, her name was Soroko. I told her, I said, don't look at me like that. I said, Wow. You know, I have a third eye myself, and I can see and visualize things. And, but there was a car next to us. This must have been her security. I heard they come in threes. There's a sponsor, there's a security person, and then there's the hybrid alien, in which is being taught uh, emotional uh, awareness of how humans react and respond. Well, I, I felt her hand when she was crying, and she, her body was burning hot. There's no body that could have been that hot. And I, looked, I took my hand away, and I said, you are really hot. Are you okay? It was chilly that night. So I kind of thought, something's just not right. Uh, so then this car pulled in and back out again and come back in, and the guy looked like he was a young guy, a haircut, looked like some kind of an FBI official or whatever, and he had a headset on. And I was looking over at him. I looked over at her. She actually shrank down into my seat in the uh, passenger side and and I looked at her and it's kind of like she almost was turning into a little gray and that kind of scared me. And I looked at her again and, and I looked over at this car and I, I thought something is wrong. And uh, so I, 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 I had, I had a weapon in my console. I had a license for a weapon. And I was going to take that out and she looked at me like she knew what was in that console. And she, and so I was a little afraid at that time, and then he left for good, and then she left, and then I met her the next day, and we had we had a lunch together, uh, because I was really curious about her, and she said she had to leave town, but the the, the, the I guess the the fact that really seals this whole story is six months later, March seventeenth. This was in October of twenty ten, March seventeenth of twenty eleven her and two young Japanese young guys come to my house. And she stayed away and had her arms crossed like she usually stands. And these two young guys, my cousin and I was sitting on the porch, they actually dumbed us down. And he usually says a lot of smart remarks and he talks a lot, but he didn't say a word. And I sat there, I couldn't say a word. I was wanting to ask if that was Heroku. And they looked at us kind of funny and they just kind of dumbed us down. And then they walked away. I don't know, I think they went in my house because they had a satchel that was mine and they were looking into it. And I just remember, it was just it took me a couple of days to remember that fact, that, that they took out a satchel and was looking into it. Those were my UFO notes at the time. So I thought, okay, how did he get in my house, come back out without me seeing him? Well, they had us dumbed down. Some, some way or another, we, and they walked away. And my cousin didn't even see him walk away. I saw them walk away and then meet up, and then they, they were standing at the end of the street, and they just disappeared. Just, we just turned each other and talked, turned back around, and they were gone. So I thought, okay, this, this concludes this mystery. My cousin got so scared, and this guy is for his paranormal stuff. Uh, he's about as shallow as a dry creek bed. When it comes to paranormal, <laughs> <Carolina. laughs> easy shallow as a
1: dry creek bed. <laughs> <man. laughs> yeah. Okay.
4: So, uh, so he said, "I'm getting out of here." He said, "I don't know what I just witnessed," but he says this ET stuff. He said, "I've had it. I'm out." Damn. So he he left. You know. So, that that's just one of my big stories, and that's that was that was one of the big ones. I've I've seen strange people. I've seen a young lady, and I was with my brothers at a bar. And they come they come in humans, and I guess they, they do – this this was a reptilian, what I found out about them uh, two, three weeks later. And she was she was a very attractive, looked like she was about 25, and she could really dance really well. And my two younger brothers were younger and better looking to me, and I was wondering why she was paying so much attention to me. And she was kind of like – she stood about two or three feet away from the table. She was dancing like a professional dancer, and then she walked back to the bar – well, two weeks later, I was with my brother, and we were sitting there uh, at the bar. And I know the bar, uh, the owner, and everything, so that's why we'd go there. I'm not a drunk, matter of fact, I only drink two or three drinks a month. But uh, I was sitting next to her.
0: Were you looking for women?
4: <laughs> no. I, well, I was single at the time. I wasn't looking for women. No, not not at that time. But we won't judge. But,
3: yeah, she, this is <laughs>
4: But but she she was setting a chair away from me. I looked over at her and I thought that was her, but she was dressed in in blue jeans and a and kind of a t-shirt. Like, and I looked over at her. She rolled her eyes to me, without turning her head, and she had a she had a reptilian eye, like a cat eye. And yeah. when I saw that, I froze in my seat. I thought to myself, this girl is the reptilian in disguise. Uh, I've seen other people like that. The uh, the Japanese young lady was no doubt. Uh, some kind of a, a you know hybrid alien or an alien that has uh, been disguised, or, or what, what they what they call uh, they 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 can change you know a, a ship shapeshifters is what they call shapeshifters yeah yeah. So. I, wanted
1: say, um, I wanted to ask Bill since he is a MUFON investigator. What would you do? What was what was your name again, sir? I forgot. I didn't write it down what's Dollar. your name. Dave, Dave Evans. Dave, Okay. So, Dave Evans. So, so um, Bill, since you are an official UFO investigator, what do you do with someone who comes to you with a story like that? Break that down for us. He's an
0: alienologist, isn't he? <laughs> we got to break
2: yeah.
0: this down. <laughs> More about there, it? Bill, um,
1: Go ahead.
2: Let let me uh, say two quick things, and then I'll totally answer that question, stuff that I've been waiting to say. Um, One is, yes, I I do know uh, uh, Kathy Martin uh, quite well um, for decades now, I guess. Um, um, She's great. Um, A little bit of uh, trivia about her, um, if it wasn't brought up before, she is actually the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Right. the other thing about um the the groups that we have locally uh the group that i'm in locally in michigan um we do have uh psychologists that are part of our group so that, yeah, i i definitely agree if I, I hadn't said that before and i don't think i did i i do think that there is a tremendous benefit to having um a psychologist in your group especially if they're also an experiencer that's a real bonus so um with mufan um who's a group that's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Um yes. The thing about the thing about MUFON is, and this is changing slowly, gradually, to the best of its ability. But MUFON was founded to investigate flying saucers. Um, and, you know, things in the sky that people see at a distance. Um, the reporting uh, system was all about. What azimuth, did you see it? Um, was it near an airport? Um, can you describe the colors, the duration, you know, et cetera, et cetera? It wasn't about the pilots. Oh, um, the, pilots. And, and, the people, and, yeah, right? The extraterrestrials.
0: Let's get all that, yes. So I keep going, yeah, yes. But, it wasn't about the, it, one, it, the people, the beings.
2: Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't about the beings, exactly. And, you now. So when abduction accounts or contact accounts started to rise, people came to MUFON to report their, um, their contact because in a lot of cases um, they also were UFO witnesses, so uh, it was very easy to make a correlation. Uh, MUFON, when you go to, you know, the traditional MUFON investigative form, you know, how do you check in a box? about you know height color distance you know it doesn't make sense I mean this is a completely new um, ball game here when you're dealing with contact and so for for one thing the reporting the whole reporting structure was not built to to take on contact and abductions so um, something had to be devised then when I was uh, when I first joined MUFON, actually in 1993, um, Shirley Coyne, at the time, she was um, MUFON's uh, Internationals head of abduction research, and you know, and she was yeah definitely uh, had her work cut out for her trying to to lay the groundwork. Kathy's made tremendous, um, you know, her and you know, and George have been, you know, tremendous in, in really bringing things forward and whoever else is currently involved with that. The other thing about when somebody talks about the abduction phenomena or the contact phenomena. Now, the, the story that they've had about him seeing a UFO, you could, you could put that into a UFO report, no problem. But when, you know, the the part where he was talking about, you know, the the woman that was in his car later at his home, you know, that sort of a thing, you get to that depth of experience, that breadth of experience, that complex of an experience, you're not just doing a report, you're writing a book, um, you know, just to, just to write all that down, everything he had just said, and then add all the stuff that he left out, because clearly... You know, for just the purpose of getting the story out, there's a lot of details that wouldn't, you know, I'm sure he would add to that. You know, when you're dealing with an all-volunteer army, which is what MUFON is, and, you know, they're trying to knock out as many UFO reports as they can that come in. Like in Michigan, we get a couple hundred sightings a year, and we we sure don't have a couple hundred investigators. You know, we have about a half a dozen maybe up to at a time and when these heavy duty lifelong experiencers come along and say this is my life story you know can you take my report it's 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 a much bigger deal you you know you're you're really dealing at a whole other level and i believe mufon is still trying to find the best course forward um with that and it's it, it's tough just because of the
4: volume of it
2: and uh, the unique of people's accounts
4: bill can i interject about Oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay i i was a researcher in 08 uh, david marler uh he's been on the convention circuit speaker circuit for triangle ufo's he was a good friend of mine lives in new mexico now yeah i'll probably now, see got him got next a, month uh huh yeah he's got he's got he's got a, the, one of the largest you know, libraries around. Uh, probably, I think it's mm-hmm. second largest. And and he's uh, he's yep. been a, he's been a friend of mine. We went to conventions in Arkansas together, uh, Eureka Springs, and we had about uh, matter of fact, there was D1, D2, D3. There was four days that hung out, so we had to give each other the, the D1, D2. But I I was with Dave Marler, and he was a good listener. And he, he was kinda of like a district member, I mean a director for a while for Illinois in oh nine and ten. And but Sam Randall is the director now and that's way mm-hmm. up around uh Rockford and those places near Chicago where they have their meetings. So that's quite a distance for me. I live near St. Mm-hmm. Louis in the southern part. So I don't uh, I, I I haven't had much uh great feelings for Mufon. But it sounds like, Bill, you are on to something. Most of these MUFON, like the St. Louis chapter and the Illinois chapter, they don't listen to personal uh, experience or encounters. Matter of fact, they, they seem like they, they stay away from them because they don't want you to steal their thunder. Uh, it, it's, that's not the thing. It's going there and telling your story. And they don't want to give up the podium a lot of times. They want to sit there and talk and talk and talk about what they want to talk about, and then the, the experiencers out in the group can't say, they don't, they don't get a chance to say a word. Most experiencers don't want to jump up and say, hey, i got something to say. They won't do that. They're a little bit reluctant in jumping ahead. I've been a little bit reluctant. Linda Hall told me with the, the, the number of experiences I've had, especially some in depth, she said, I'm going to have a hard time making people believe me. And I said, I know. I've already been there. Uh, I can speak to a group of people, and you can see some people kind of looking away, and I'm thinking, I'm not getting, getting anywhere here because you got these nonbelievers like you were talking about earlier, about people who, who will believe and some people won't believe. But that's getting into the psychology of it, and I'm glad that you talked about the psychology of it, and that we need to get people together that have had some real experiences, and they, they're not going to turn their, their backs on you and say, oh, wow, this guy's crazy or whatever. But now I've gotten to the age where I think I'm retired now and I'm, I'm, I'm 70. I'm a young 70, let's say. And I'm a rock and roll drummer, too. So excuse that. <laughs> but but I, I myself feel that since I'm an experienced and I've had these experiences, I've also been abducted. I know there's two times I knew when I was abducted, it, it, electricity was involved. Static, strong electricity was involved next to my bed. And it just completely immobilized me. I can get into those stories later when you got time. But I'm glad, Bill, that you're talking that the mufons changing a little bit, because I've had a hard time even going to the meetings because of, of how they're they're just they're just singularly directed. They don't. Uh, I I don't know. I guess maybe I feel like I'm an experiencer. I've seen these things. I've seen five up close UFOs. And, and I know exactly what they look like. I can tell you almost the date and time I saw them, and I've ran into you know, some weird people. I've seen some weird things in Sedona uh, because I have this third eye in which I think uh, when you get abducted, they leave you with a little energy. I can go through airport screening uh, areas where they have the circular screening thing that's supposed to pick up anything like bomb fragments or powder or whatever on your body, but when I come out of them, they stop me, and they they look scared, and then they look at this little human form that's up there, and there's about four or five yellow spots on that on that human form, and my wife was with me on both occasions when I was flying to the Philippines, and and I was scared to death that you know here I go I'm going to be you know stripped down there but they didn't they they did pat me down they they wand me and all this other stuff, and they give me a, a swab of my hands, and they were literally afraid. With all the yellow spots I had in my body, uh, that, that was something that was a red flag. And I asked the guy, I said, what is that? And the TSA agent says, I don't know. But he said, it's strange. I've never seen it before. So this electricity apparently hits me. My wife tells me when I touch her at night, sometimes she can feel the electric shock from my fingers. So I've had that experience with this electrical shock. and So it might be you know, put into my DNA. I don't know. So I'm just, what you I just
0: military. wanted to do is deck, myself. I don't know anything yes. about you, but you were military, right?
4: Yes. And what branch? Uh, Army. Army. All right.
0: Just checking. I was Navy, but I worked joint. <laughs> I wore all yeah. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. The only, only uh, uniform I didn't own was Coast Guard, although I went and visited them a lot, and my dad was Coast Guard, but... They um, never were this in uniform, but I think they—they they felt like they did mostly local stuff. And I was
4: right, in and out of country
0: yeah. a lot. Well, we'll have to yeah. get together I, well, and bring you
1: back, Dave, and let you yeah. uh, give yeah. your life story. Yeah. We do our okay. Let yeah. me let me interject yeah. something here. Um, one of the things you know, I've gone to for the last uh, 25 years. Uh, I've been going to all the UFO calls as many as I could afford to, and I was part of all these. Uh, the emergence of all the experiencer groups and, and helped uh, develop them. I've worked with other encounter groups all through the years. My husband, Dr. Lesson, has been doing it. He's going to be 79, and he's been doing it since the 60s, right? So we know how to do encounter groups. One of the things I've been toying with, with, with uh, other uh, facilitators is uh, creating an immersion, uh, like a retreat, for experiencers so we can go really deeply into our processes and help get the stories and flesh them out and also perhaps uh, alleviate some of the post-traumatic stress disorder because part of it being an experiencer is that you get PTSD and you don't know how to fully integrate your experiences and and you don't know how to approach your family to come out of the closet, that type of thing, so you don't get ridiculed. So we're thinking of creating it and anyway, I'm just putting it out there. Um, What do you guys think? that that be a good idea? It'd be all the... You know, a group of trained professionals. But we're looking for, you know, we don't want to do like in a hotel. More like something um like a retreat center, so you can have your time where you're doing your intensive work, and then you can maybe go relax in a hot tub or take a little hike in the woods, that type of thing. So you can continually be integrating your experience. You know, go into it and then go in the nature. You go into it and then you know something. That's what we're looking at. Does anybody have any feedback or thoughts on what's what I yeah. see emerging. Yeah. And right. What do you yeah. think? Would that be something that you might enjoy doing? To go deeper Are, you, your
4: talking to, are you talking to me?
1: Talking to everybody Wait. on the panel here. Oh,
4: okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, but Dave, yeah, you, yeah, I would be you interested do have a in a lot in that of, emotion. Type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the support groups I haven't been very fond of because I, I have been a strong uh, person and I've been able to walk through these experiences. I've had. I've had some fear. I've had—I I've, was scared to death several times doing this, but I want to keep going because I want to find answers. Like why me? Why did they follow me? Why have I seen so many UFOs when some people don't see one in their whole life? I've seen five up close and I've seen many at a distance. It's just like why me? And my wife knows I've—I've been—I've uh, been seeing things like that, and she's she's seen some some things too. So we've been married six and a half years, but. It's kind of uh you you have that I, I i don't want i don't want sympathy, I want somebody to give me answers basically right uh, yeah, that type of thing,
1: yeah, and that's what we're looking at anyway uh, just to give us a head up it's um thirty six heading up to the top of the final hour so uh what what do you want to cover here before we sign off and and we will have you back Dave, and do a We'll do a whole thing Dave on focus on you.
0: Okay. Yeah, Dave, Emman. Yeah.
1: You. yeah. Dave, well, contact uh, me after the show, Dave, well, and I'll, I'll, I'll put p- you in the uh, calendar.
3: Okay. Pardon? I keep... I do you. the
1: calendar, so contact me, and I will... Yeah, make sure you get the info from TJ, but don't do it on air. Okay, so... Um, so, Bill, let's uh, pass the talking stick back to you, and then... Uh, We'll go round robin one more time, and then that'll be the end of the show. So, Bill, what would you like to say to our listeners? What would you cool. like them to know about you and the, the work?
2: Okay, uh, just if I could say a little bit more with regards to uh, to Mufon. You know, I I love Mufon. I'm a company man. You know, I've been with Mufon since '93, so um, you know, more than half of Mufon's experience, uh, you know, time I've I've been a member of it. And and to say you know I I you know I feel I have a deep understanding of the organization and if I didn't like what I see I wouldn't be part of it, but MUFON yeah it struggles oftentimes by it walks several tightropes. One is receiving UFO information and the other is receiving information from uh, experience and abduction um, related phenomena, and that's a, a tricky rope to, you know, tight rope to walk because, you know, they, the the reporting systems for each of these two types of phenomena, as I think I got into uh, detail with already, uh, are, are, are widely different, are handled remarkably different. UFO witness, even psychologically, UFO witnesses, you know, you get a UFO witness on the phone like, wow, I saw that thing. It must have been less than half a mile away. It was the coolest. And then you know you get a you know an abductee saying, yeah I saw this thing must have been half a foot away <laughs> you know it it scared the you know bejesus out of me and 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 you're dealing in, you know there's there's all sorts of different you know I mean it, it's although you know although they're in the same basket it's very much apples to oranges uh, the comparison in many cases and the other tightrope walk that Mufon uh, walks is that. In one sense, being around 50 years as the most credible civilian UFO research group with tons and tons of sightings under its belt, it wants to get information that will one day hopefully be noticed by the scientific community and say, wow, look at this data that MUFON has collected on UFOs all these years. Um, we just love to be able to use that. And then suddenly, you know, the scientific community has a giant boon of well reported craft sighting. And so it wants to be, um, MUFON tries to be the public face of the phenomena to the world. It's grassroots, um, it tries its best to be as scientific as it can with an all volunteer army and you know and it it credibility is something that's very much in the mind of mufon and what it tries to do when um things come into the mufon reporting system that aren't as easily classified like the experiencer phenomena um it, it's, it 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 is the, the experiencer phenomena it's so wide in what it covers and again um, you're dealing people with with people who are, didn't just see one thing they're dealing with life stories it's a whole different depth of of reporting that you have to do to really get that information down and so when you have an all-volunteer army and you say hey you know here's somebody you know take down their life story <laughs> you know it's like what you know I, I was just expecting to hear some guy that a bright light off in the sky, you know, made a right hand turn. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's another thing that that Mufon, you know, um, you know, tries to tries its best to work through. And you know, as an all volunteer army, that means that everybody in the group, you know, a lot of people say, you know,
3: <clears throat>
2: my opinions of Mufon are this, or my opinions of Mufon are that. MUFON is an all-volunteer army. That means anybody can join. Um, anybody can become a UFO field investigator. Um, anybody can rise up the ranks. Where you know there there is a vast array of different viewpoints within the organization, and and that's what really makes it a very strong organization. Even if there's you know that sort of public message that the organization likes to give out. You know, and you know, to me, my opinion to to most people is, you know, if you don't like MUFON, change it from within. You know, you've got an opinion, you've got a voice. Uh, if you got some time on your hands, work towards crafting the type of organization that you think would best fit everybody, because that's what best benefits the organization, and then, but that's what best benefits UFO witnesses, the experience, your community, and the world. You know, it, it's you're not joining the military and 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 taking orders. Um, you're joining a, a family, a group of all individuals working to try to, to, you know, study the phenomena and get the word out about the phenomena. It's, it's a very flexible fluid organization, or if at least you see it like that, then you can really make move on your own, uh, you know, and, and make your voice heard. So I, I definitely stress that for anybody who has any opinions whatsoever about the organization, um, And so when I, um, to circle back to my experiences, when I first found MUFON in 93, this was during the real heyday of abduction um, publicity, I guess. Uh, You had Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs and John Mack and, you know, of course, Whitley Strieber and Carla Turner and, I mean, the, you know, Betty, Andreas, and Luca and just, just just all sorts of people were just putting out book after book after amazing book on the phenomena, you know, during this sort of um, 80s, 90s phase. And people, abductions and the experiencer phenomena, was it was really you know, on the mind and really had the attention of so many people. And that is when I got into MUFON, that's when I got into the organization, and Shirley Coyne, the Michigan state director at the time, who was also a state licensed hypnotherapist, who was also the head of MUFON's abduction research, Um, she, you know, gave me um, a set of, you know, half a dozen regressions, and and I just, it really changed me, made me much more sure-footed on my path of exploration of the phenomenon, and... You know, I, I kept with it, and um, the people I, I've met along the way, um, you know, it's it, it's been a wonderful thing. An interesting thing you find in the uh, when you have a lifelong set of experiences is one day you're going to have that conversation with somebody else, and you're going to have what you think is a unique experience. Like this never happened to anybody else. I've heard this story. I've heard other people who've seen mantises. I've had other people that say, you know, this that and the other, but you know, nobody's ever had this type of experience. And then one day, I guarantee you, you're going to bump into somebody um if you are well networked who has had that same strange experience that you thought was unique to only yourself. And then you have that double-sword moment, a double-edged sword moment where on one hand, you're like, "Oh my gosh." Thank Thankfully, I've met somebody else with the same experience, so I know I wasn't, I know I'm not crazy. And then on the flip side, you're like, darn it, no, I can't deny that happened anymore. On those days where I just want to pretend that none of this ever happened, I can't do that anymore because I finally found somebody else that the same weird thing happened to them too. And, you know, so, you know, you you have to put it in that column of, you know, verification, this happened. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a wild adventure and, you know, who knows where things are going. I think public opinion is swinging hard towards acceptance of the phenomena. Um, There is still no agreed upon perspectives or, you know, even language about what's going on, but you know, just science is coming around public opinion is coming around and I think it's all for the better. I think that, the rest of the world just has to catch up to those who've already had this type of experience happen to them.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's a good uh, analysis. Okay, so TJ, we've got about uh, ten minutes. We can, like, uh, we'll, I'm showing thirteen. On, I'm
0: showing thirteen on there. We make it go a minute or two after. Okay, all right, folks. Yeah. We've got all these topics up here, and I am building the UFO Association organization. I actually started. Years ago, with uh, two very famous guys, uh, George Filer and Stan Friedman. But you know, it was hard, and I've had a lot of websites. But getting people to work together is very, very hard. Plus, bills making a lot of sense because it is a volunteer army. It is uh, they do give dues, and we don't know the board of directors and who's where the money's going. And that's been a big thing when I was in MUFON, and uh, I've gotten. People dropped my name on UFO Digest, writing about it and stuff, and using me with a group of people that I wasn't even involved or at the meetings, and I didn't know why they were using my name, other than I was a publisher and a journalist. Now, you know, I was Kufos, but I was uh, uh, J. Allen Heine. I met him in an airplane, so Kufos was a separate organization. And at one time, when we were building this Internet cyberspace there weren't that many organizations. You could count them basically on one hand that were really well-known. Now, I don't know. You can go to Wikipedia, but even Wikipedia has sort of gotten taken over a little strangely nowadays, although I I'd still I'd still enforce or I still pay my little dues or my money to them. What we're trying to do here is amazing because it's happening all its own. I just tonight changed my logo for UFO Association because it seems like no matter what I do, Janet... Always seems to want to do the UFO thing, and it just keeps coming back. It will not go away in my life. So I guess I might as well write a book and just say, okay, this is the real deal. This is how I feel about it. Now who wants to play? So if you're out there, uh, Dave found me, Dave Emmons. He says we've only been friends a month, so I don't even know how we became friends. So Facebook is where it's at, folks, right now. I know all those people are getting mega rich off of investing in it, but it is what Bill calls a network, William uh, has joined us He is the Mufon of Mufon He is uh, the Michigan director uh, Of the chapter Of Michigan and It's called the state director So they separated in um, By state And I suggest we do the same thing But I'm looking for alienologists Journalists People that want to write about subjects That uh, we, we're discussing tonight So if you're interested Please let me know um, I, I really do use The uh, ai as far as i can with uh inside the cyberspace connection with everybody so that's something we're going to keep talking about parapsychology people phenomenology and how we're going to get together and i understand fear the opposite of fear is what love so love and fear and it sounds funny but uh Janet and I have been working together, and it seems like no matter what, a lot of people are going direct to YouTube now. It's free. You can make your own YouTube. Everybody seems to be doing that. A lot of the kids are using Instagram, Facebook. We're using Facebook, and we're all retired now. So, uh, Dave, I'd like to invite you to help. If you want, have some time on your hands. You can help us get people that want to help in this multi-complex phenomena. Group. I'm just calling them UFO paranormal researchers, for lack of better words. But many of us are alienologists, like Daryl Sims. He has alienhunkers.org, and I I sort of have that up for other people that want to do what he does. But I have seen a split between ufology and alienology. So, uh, I don't know. Bill and Dave, you've both been in MUFON. I was in MUFON in 2008, and I heard Dave say, 2008 isn't that interesting?
4: That's the only year I paid my dues yeah. ever. Right, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm not. You know, it's like I'm not knocking Wuhan. on right? I'm not, not saying that. But just like Bill said, it's a volunteer army, and sometimes you'll get some of these people who will take that authority and think they have stars on their shoulders. You know, like a general star. And I ran into that field investigators, like like they kind of like. All right, yeah, I heard your story. That's fine. Okay, we'll go about our business, and and you know, it, you got to take all these stories seriously that people talk about because there's a connection with all of it. Uh, and you of the people, you have
0: a journalist's mind, don't you? Y-
4: yes, I, I I my college was in journalism. There you go. Yeah. Right. So you're probably a military, done...
0: so you understand. You understand organization right. and working with teams. You also understand how to take all the information collectively because of your background as a journalist. So we could use you, and we're looking for people that have already retired, that thought they were going to have a gold watch and a pension and have all this money to travel around the world and don't now. So, you know, we're here to pick up the pieces as ETs, extraterrestrials. You call us hybrids, walk-ins, I don't care. You know, just don't right. call me late for dinner. But the thing is, I'm nothing to be scared yeah. of. I've, I've right. you know, got a birth certificate. I have a body I'm human, and uh, the fear factor and the giggle factor have been the two main reasons I wasn't allowed to do anything while I was working for the government and getting a paycheck. I am no longer getting a paycheck. I am retired, and Janet wants to write a book and get on with her life now. So uh, Janet did have yeah. a uh, event in 2018 uh, yeah. in Albuquerque, and we're looking at metaphysical groups because I'm more. I want to be more eclectic, but I'm going to see how many people fall into the metaphysical. Genre Here at my uh, Gulf Breeze Because I already do Two shows a year With the local New Horizons Or last year And I've done one This year January And they have uh, We do this At the Navarre Conference Center If anybody's interested In Gulf Breeze And they're mostly uh, Psychics To be honest with you And I'm a psychic medium But I used to hate the words so I used counselor And life coach I've written plenty Of books out there I invite you all To, to uh, write books Although uh, You know Selling them Is another thing Writing is only The big part of it Now, Bill Kukleski joined us tonight. He is the MUFON director. Like I said, he is an author, so he could join our Authors Book Club. I only promote people in my club, and I call it a club for the reason that I couldn't get people to work together as a nonprofit or for-profit. So I said, screw it. I'm just going to have a club, and that way I can. And this is something the county I live in, Kentucky, told me. He became the magistrate, my friend, and he said, just make it a club. That way, you you know, you can choose who comes and who goes. If some, somebody says stuff you don't like, you can kick them out, just like that club you went to, Dave, right? I can, I can right. give them a club, a, a membership card, and say, you're a bona fide member. You paid a dollar for it. You can come into my house. <laughs> We're right. gonna do something like that. So if you're interested, Dave, you're welcome to come figure it out. Everybody goes to Facebook for Janet Carolesson, Teresa J. Morris. Bill, uh you got a Facebook page? Are you my friend, Bill Konkoleski? William, are you a friend of mine?
2: Yes, I am. And On actually uh, hey, uh Huh? On Facebook, yeah. Go ahead. Um and oh and also Dave, I, I, I sent you a friend request as well.
4: <laughs> okay. All right, thank you. I was going to say, I, I've been on Gary Anderson's uh, night uh, nighttime talk radio, and uh, I'll be on his show on the 20th. And I guess his computer puts, put my sections on uh, YouTube on my – I did almost two hours uh, with him uh, about a week or so ago. And I'll be on the 20th also with uh, Gary Anderson. Uh, night Dreams Talk Radio is what it's called. Huh, what
0: channel are those? You know who he works with? Is he works with himself.
4: He works with I himself. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of his connections, but uh, he's his own boss. I mean, he used to. He, he's good friends with Art Bell, who passed away a year or so ago, and he was good friends with him. So uh, that that tells you something. I liked Art Bell.
0: And what's his first name? Is Anderson
4: wasn't Gary. it? Perfect. Gary. Gary Anderson. Anderson.
0: I think I've heard of him. I just don't know where he's located. Well, Janet has Aquarian Radio, folks. I have Tj Marci T Radio. My company is yes. American Communications Online. I want to say something Online. before we
1: run out of time. Tj, I want to say one more of thing before we right run out of time. Uh, um, well, I am looking to record people and document them. And um, you know, I'm on a roll here. I've got uh, hundreds of stories. I like working with people. So if you're out there and you want to come on and be interviewed like this, like Zabe uh, and like um, Bill, just contact me at AquarianRadio at gmail.com. That's my main website, um, AquarianRadio at gmail.com. And we will get the stories recorded and out there. And if you want to uh, be anonymous, that's okay. But it's really good when you come out of the closet and and state your name because the more of us that come out, the more we're going to shift this paradigm and, uh, you know, make it safe for people to come out and tell the truth, because otherwise we go through life afraid and we don't need to do that anymore. As right. It's uh, upon us. Yes. Right. So, okay. So I'm going to, uh, you got four minutes. Go ahead, TJ. Okay. how do you want to talk, and I'm going to uh, mute my mic, and that will be it. Aloha for me. I'll, I'll listen. Oh, okay. All right.
0: Well, this is... I've got Friday tomorrow with Dr. Rick Allen Miller, people on ESP, uh, CIA, SEAL uh, team. We're going to do more military uh, uh, consciousness work. Uh, his wife wrote, I married the, the Wizard of Oz, and so uh, his wife is a policy writer for CIA, stuff like that. But we're into all the intelligence side of this world in which I'm promoting. Uh, Please join me tomorrow night with Dr. Rick Allen Miller with our ACO Invisible College, which is also the ACE Metaphysical Institute I'm promoting here where I live in Gulf Breeze. Bill Konkoleski, I'd like to have you back if you'd like to join our Authors Club or if you're brave out there in the UFO business. uh, I have a lot of (laughs) friends that won't touch my my business. They don't like UFOs. They don't want to do anything. Aliens, they think that they're going to come land on the churches, and, you know, so I'm I'm a universal life minister, so I'm very multidimensional in my thinking and consciousness, and I like to work with quantum physics, and uh, Dr. Miller is a physicist, and I'm following Tom Campbell, also a physicist, a friend of mine on Facebook, but, you know, whatever your part is, uh, Bill, apparently you've written this book, and I'd like to see you write some more books. I'm a publisher, folks. I come from wanting to promote authors I started this for Gene. It really, I was being interviewed on a lot of UFO type of shows that I didn't want to be, but because I was promoting UFO Digest in Canada, they asked me to be on Kevin Smith's show, and he died. So, as so much for my story, it went away. Another guy had me thousands, and Alfred Lambermont had immediately 5,000, 10,000 hits immediately that night, and he took it off because he said it was complica- complicated. He didn't want to be compromised. So, I don't know what's going on about other people trying to put me on radio shows, but it hadn't been easy, so I got my own. So come talk to me, uh, UFO people. It's TJMRCT Radio. Aquarian Radio supports me. I support her, and we just did it because we started together right here on Sunday, June 6, 2012, and she and I are doing a book. So. If you're an author, join our authorsbookclub.org, and uh, it's free to join. And UFO Association is free to join. And we're using Facebook for networking outreach. So Bill, I'd like to have you back uh, sometime. Everybody can email me at Mars Email is Agency. Using the word agency because I was doing so many blogs, and so was Janet. We each had 75 to 100 blogs alone. We couldn't do that much journalism and editing. We used to just live in a computer. So now we went to radio. So now we're going to YouTube. So if we go figure. We're going to put our old mutts out there for you to see. So if you want to do a live YouTube with us, please let us know. Uh, you can join us on Patreon. Mine at Patreon dot com. It's like a dollar to get a card with me, but if I don't like you, I take it back. <laughs> That's just something <laughs> we learned. We learned from MUFON, didn't we? <laughs> we learned from yeah, hanging okay. out in the bars with the slitted-eyed people. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> yeah. slitted eyes, we may not want to talk to you.
4: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. No,
0: seriously. Yeah.
4: So you know what I'm talking about. So Bill, yeah. I, uh, I have a two two hundred fifty page ledger, and with this uh, Japanese young lady, I do have a lot of notes. On her and I thought about that would make a nice screenplay for a a, a short movie. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it, it was something big in my life, I guess.
0: Yeah, anybody you know, they say anybody can read anything and anybody can write anything, and it's all been said before, folks. So you know, just yeah. take an open mind and and you know, create your own language if you want to. Listen to Tom Campbell. On my big toe. T O E is for Theory of Everything. Also please look at Urban Laszlo, his Theory of Everything at the Akashic Field, A Field. That's where most of us have been I think, the at the end of the I think we're out of time. Just
1: to give you a yeah, little
0: I see it. I see it. Okay.
1: All right. Thank you,
0: Janet. All right. So everybody okay. we're gonna take a load out of here. Okay. We we can go over a few minutes. But Bill, please, I'd like to have you back when you have time. Just uh, Get back in touch with us. I like your voice. I like your style. You've got a good uh, bedside manner there, Bill, going on for you. So congratulations. (laughs) We'll try to get involved with other people.
2: (laughs) Sure, please. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you for being my friend on Facebook. Dave Emmons, thank you for being my friend and for filling up on uh, our show tonight. Janet Caroluson is always – she's my BFF, friends, even though uh, she and I fight a lot. (laughs) We don't. We don't. (laughs) All uh, right. Love and light everybody And uh, you know keep the faith And uh, we'll be back tomorrow night With a pretty detailed thing So you're welcome to call in both of you guys Anytime uh, Friday nights And uh, for the last hour I'll try to put you on Just Pass the word around about T.J. T Radio Guys okay Okay we will do Alright come back and see it Good night everybody Thanks. Good night